0: The Thing and Sasquatch. Welcome to FW Team-Up, a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. And I'm Michael May. Taking you through a classic superhero team-up, The Thing, and Sasquatch and Alpha Flight from Marvel 2-in-1... Numbers 83 and 84, cover dated January and February of 1982. And Michael, when you agreed to do one of these, uh, I thought your natural predilections would, would steer us towards a, a Tarzan team up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it, that is a predilection of mine. <laughs> um, like, I do a, a whole podcast on Tarzan movies, and I'm just a big fan of jungle literature anyway. But, you know, when you mentioned that, I, I'm kind of surprised myself that I didn't. But I think my excuse is that Tarzan. Uh, you know, I grew up with the Tarzan novels and uh, and the Tarzan movies, and so like, Tarzan to me is primarily uh, a novels and, and movie kind of character, uh, even though there are some great Tarzan comics and some really fun Tarzan comic team-ups. Uh, but when we, we, we were talking about doing this, the first thing that came to my mind is Alpha Flight, and, and we can talk about why, but Alpha Flight's my jam, and uh, I just, I, I couldn't, do this and not do Awful Fight of some kind. And
0: so instead of Africa, you get Canada. But I'm an right. expert, so watch out. Watch out. Awesome. <laughs> this thing punches uh, a few of my buttons. So <laughs> just because, uh, you know, the way Canada is represented in comics is yeah. uh, a particular, that's my predilection, let's say. Sure, sure. Yeah, in each episode of MW Team Up, uh, one panelist will pick one character to defend, or a or team in this case. Uh, one of us has to take the team. Michael, what's your choice?
1: Uh, I got Sasquatch and Alpha Flight.
0: All right. So I'll take the thing. That was pretty clear from the beginning. (laughs) And as is customary, we preface with reasons why we like the character we've chosen or been assigned. Michael, what's so great about Alpha Flight? Especially, like, to an American, no less.
1: Yeah. So this was my gateway into collecting comics. and. To kind of prepare myself for this conversation, I went back and I listened to your conversation with Shag, and he was talking about his kind of gateway was Spider-Man team-up. And this was mine. Like, I was in high school in the 80s, and, and all my friends were heavy into the X-Men, which sounded like a great comic, but there was so much history with the X-Men that I was hesitant to jump into it. I wanted something new that I could start with and get into the Marvel Universe that way. And about that time, Alpha Flight number one came out, and I thought, oh, perfect. This is, this is what I want. A brand new team. No bad. Baggage, no history, that could, could just hit the ground running and let this be my end into the Marvel Universe. Little did I realize that it came with a ton of baggage uh, that the team had previously appeared in the X Men yeah. and, and <laughs> other comics like the ones we're about to talk about. So uh, immediately after reading Off of Flight number one, I went on a back issue hunt for all the characters' earlier adventures, and I was apparently always doomed, I guess, to catch up on old X Men stories. But it also got me into uh, The Incredible Hulk and Machine Man and uh, even an issue or two of Crystar the Crystal Warrior.
0: They have a checkered history. With they them, do. <laughs> before they get to their own series, yeah, they, they appeared in weird spots. Uh, so I've just
1: been a big fan ever since. John Byrne's run is legendary, and as much as he's talked about not enjoying the series, uh, Alpha Flight is the benchmark to me of what a superhero book should be. Uh, I love all these characters, even north star he's annoyingly grumpy but you know in the comics uh, like in in alpha fight itself and as well as when we're going to talk about his grumpiness is a lot of he's got this clear love for his troubled sister aurora that kind of shows through and uh so i love him um i love guardian's costume and just kind of the nobility of that character i love kind of the mysterious aspects of shaman and snowbird puck is super charming and he's got that adventurous spirit Uh, I'm a big fan of water characters and Marina is super cute, although, you know, kind of a tragic character uh, and and tragically used as you and Shag talked about. You know, she just, she's never really had, I mean, some of those Plodex stories are pretty epic. When that's the only story they're telling over and over and over again, it Mm -hmm. does get old. My favorite alpha though has always been Sasquatch. I'm a big fan of monster characters, especially big hairy ones like Chewbacca or Bigfoot. And, uh, Walter Lankowski was a blonde haired guy with glasses and that's what I was growing up to you. And, uh, I still am, I guess, but, uh, so <laughs> and,
0: and, and you're, you're a bear of a man. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. I, I look more like Sasquatch than Lankowski these days. Yeah. But yeah, so I just kind of related to him and, uh, and, and you know, he was just cool. So that's my love for these guys. But what about you and uh, Ben Grimm?
0: I like him as a, uh, Jack Kirby stand in. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Uh, he's not unlike the terrible turpin over at DC, a cigar-chewing, you know, broad-shouldered Jewish. Uh And it's kind of a living signature, which I, it's an interesting thing that, you know, such an iconic artist can have a character or characters that are essentially him. And whether it's a signature where he's putting himself into the character when mm-hmm. he designs it, or later on, a sort of tribute by other creators right. to the king. You know, I, I get to have this conversation about the thing every so often because right. <laughs> because, because of Marvel 2 and 1. So, uh, this time around, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this is like a living, I mean, in a way, a living signature character for Jack Kirby. So, uh, I enjoy him as, as that. And, and then looking at how is he in some, in certain stories, how close is he to the king? So, yeah. uh, as for an Alpha Flight, you know, of course, of course, I had to read it because I'm Canadian. <laughs> uh, but it was the team that was here, and always it always you know it always saddened me that there was never really a character from my region in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Maritimes have been uh, ignored. It's just something you skip over to get to Newfoundland, essentially in the comics. So that was always a sore point for me. But I you know I, I still have a loyalty to the brand, even though it hasn't always been a great series. But I got into it. At a weird point, the first issue I ever found was number twelve, wow. the one where spoiler Guardian dies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where I started, and then went back and got some back issues. And this particular story that we're going to cover today is not one that I had in my collection originally. I got it, you know, by getting the Essential Marvel Two in One. That's the first time I ever saw it. Hmm. So a lot, a lot of the stuff that's in between that first X Men appearance. Which I read in Classic X-Men. And then, and then, you know, the, the first issue of their own series, I didn't know anything about that. All these appearances in Hulk and Chris Star, and that's all stuff that I had to discover much later or not at all. I, I was, I was kind of surprised about this era, the, the pre-Puck, pre-Marina, you know, stories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where the Guardian is still called Vindicator. So, uh, this is an interesting one to discover. But like I said, as far as, as, you know, um, getting Canada right, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We already did the. Uh, you, you mentioned Shag uh, in this, and you know the very first episode was the uh, uh, Marvel Team Up annual where Spider-Man teams up with Alpha Flight. Shag was the guest, and so we, he already did the uh, the whole publication history thing. So, Michael, you are spared from doing it. Woohoo! So let's move on. Let's get right into these issues. Two comics to cover. Get ready, people. This is the synopsis. Where Stocks the Sasquatch, by writer Tom DeFalco, penciler Ron Wilson, and inker Chick Stone. In the wake of events in the previous story, giant man Bill Foster lays dying from radiation poisoning after saving the thing from the same peril. Reed Richards works tirelessly to save his life, but there's little hope. A despondent thing feels responsible and acts out picking a fight with the human torch. Reed can do nothing, but there's a Canadian biophysicist who might be able to help, Dr. Walter Langowski. Ben takes the Pogo plane and flies to Montreal's McGill University, where Langowski has tenure, but he's not there. He's in Northwest Alberta on a field trip.
1: Lankowski isn't on the field trip alone, though. Since the Canadian government shut down Alpha Flight as an official team in X-Men 104, Lankowski has missed being a superhero and hanging out with his superhero friends. That's why he jumped at the chance to accompany his former teammate shaman on the Sorcerer's annual expedition to search the mountains for the burial place of his ancestors. But the trip and the majestic scenery haven't satisfied Lankowski's need for excitement. Shaman believes that the trip could become thrilling after all. He tells Lankowski that while trying to enlist the spirit world in his search for the burial place, he was shown a vision of impending death and destruction. The following day, the two friends discover a cave entrance that Shaman has never seen before. Going a little ways into it, they find writing on a wall that Shaman interprets as some kind of warning. Believing the warning to refer only to potential grave robbers, Lankowski offers to go back to the camp for spelunking equipment. He leaves Shaman in the cave to continue exploring, and Shaman uncovers a secret chamber filled with artifacts and believes that he's found the tomb he's looking for. Meanwhile, Lankowski reaches the camp and sees a plane coming in for a landing. He recognizes the Fantastic Four logo on it and sees the thing disembark. Wondering if the thing could be the menace from Shaman's dream, Lankowski meditates and triggers the change to become the mighty Sasquatch.
0: Ben Grimm has been searching hundreds of square miles for signs of Lankowski's expedition. Is this the right campsite? As he turns around,
1: he's confronted by another enormous orange hero who rather stoutily congratulates Ben for not getting freaked out by his appearance. Ben lets Sasquatch know that he's not impressed. Already the pair are off on the wrong foot. Back in the cave, Shaman is drawn toward a particular urn. He feels compelled to open it against his better judgment. But once he does, a mist escapes that forms into a giant apparition calling itself Ranark the Ravager. He laughs maniacally, and his laughter causes not only the cavern to tremble, but... The
0: ground shakes. The furry Sasquatch pitches forward. Ben sees it as an aggressive move and attacks.
1: Sasquatch rips up a tree trunk and uses it to swap the thing. Boom! The thing tries to retaliate by picking up a boulder, but Sasquatch smacks him
0: again. WHAP! The blue-eyed thing rallies. He breaks Sasquatch's makeshift club and punches him in the jaw.
1: Sasquatch is staggered, but he comes back with a right cross that sends the thing to the ground. Sasquatch continues trying to punch, but the thing rolls out of the way, avoiding the
0: powerful blows. Ben grabs the man monster by the leg and flips him, showing he may not be as strong, but he does have more combat experience. He takes a boulder and throws it, but Sasquatch catches it and crushes it into rubble. Realizing that he's been enjoying the fight and letting
1: it go on too long, Sasquatch decides to finish it. He rushes the thing and hurls him into the woods, knocking down several trees with the thing's body.
0: But the thing gets up. Again, there's no stopping him. He hits Sasquatch hard, and the Canadian behemoth goes crashing into a copse of trees. As Ben moves in for another blow, the ground rocks again, breaks, and Raynark the Ravager rises from the earth, he ignores the two embattled heroes, they are ants to him, and flies away to conquer the world. Given the circumstances, Ben and Sasquatch bury the hatchet and team up. Chapter 2, Cry for Beloved Canada. Flying east, Renard comes upon a couple camping in northeastern Saskatchewan. His first encounter with modern society does not please him. A boombox is obviously a weapon meant to befuddle his senses. The metal canoe must be sorcery. He destroys it all and kills one of the defiant campers with a force flash from his demonic eyes, leaving him in his wife's arms.
1: Meanwhile, in a suburb outside Ottawa, Lankowski, Shaman, and the Fang are briefing former Alpha Flight leader James MacDonald Hudson on the situation. Hudson is already in uniform as Vindicator, so he contacts Aurora and North Star to have them join the fight against Renark. Snowbird is unfortunately unavailable, presumably due to her secret identity in the military.
0: At that precise moment, the Canadian Air Force engages Renark, but finds him invulnerable. He destroys all their jets and flies on.
1: Having received Vindicator's request for help, Northstar and Aurora argue over whether or not to assist. Northstar believes that Alpha Flight was always doomed to failure and believes that the government's disbanding of the team is the final proof. Aurora enjoyed her time with Alpha Flight, though, and won't turn her back on her friends. She leaves Northstar and races to join the team.
0: Raynark arrives in Winnipeg, Manitoba asking to be worshiped as a god. And if he can't get their loyalty any other way, he will use fear. As a demonstration of power, he makes gnarled trees grow through the asphalt.
1: Alpha Flight and the Thing arrive, and Vindicator is able to distract Renark with an energy blast. Renark retaliates though by causing an earthquake, causing most of the heroes to abandon the fight and begin rescue operations. Vindicator and shaman follow Renark while the Thing, Sasquatch and Aurora save the inhabitants of a crumbling apartment complex. They get everyone to safety, but the building crumbles on top of the Thing.
0: The Thing punches out of the rubble, safe and sound. Sasquatch prefers help but Ben flexes his rocky muscles and blasts himself out alone.
1: Vindicator and Shaman catch up to Renark at a nearby highway that's jammed with traffic trying to evacuate the city. As Vindicator prevents the destruction of people-filled automobiles, Shaman casts a flame spell at Renark. But Renark counters with a wind spell that snuffs out the fire and sends Shaman hurling through the air. Fortunately, he's caught by Sasquatch, who has just arrived
0: with Aurora in the thing. A by now impatient thing punches Renark and makes him fall down. The giant gestures at gnarled branches to grab him, but it's officially clobberin' time. And Ben rips through the wooden appendages.
1: Back at home, Northstar watches the battle on TV, but when he sees footage of Aurora in danger, he speeds off to join her. Rannark has been using weather as his primary weapon, but Sasquatch distracts him by calling the Mad God out. He manages to go toe-to-toe with Raynark for a while, but Raynark finally defeats him with magic. That's Northstar's cue to arrive, and he and Aurora are able to temporarily daze Raynark with their famous grab-hands-and-create-blinding-light move. The Fang and Sasquatch follow up by throwing empty cars at Reynark, knocking him out, and Shaman finishes the job with a spell that shrinks the unconscious Raynark and imprisons him in a softball-sized mystic cocoon. The battle is over.
0: Ben Grimm brings Sasquatch, as Walter Langowski, back to the Baxter building in New York so he can examine Giant Man. But.
1: Sadly, Bill Foster's body has been irreparably damaged by the radiation poisoning. Langowski has never seen anything like it and doesn't believe there's any way to save
0: Giant Man. Bummer. What do we think, uh, generally, Michael?
1: You know, I've got such a soft spot for these characters and the melodrama and, you know, the, the whole, like, North Star, they're refusing to join and then coming in at the last minute just because he sees Aurora in trouble. Like, that stuff is just candy to me. Like, I, this, that's what I love about this team. And, and they're not as like, annoying in this one as they were in, like, I totally agree with, like, Marvel Team Up. You know, Spider-Man is just so irritated at all of the inter-team drama. And I am too in that issue. But, uh, but here I think it's, it, uh, the Falcons kind of hit a nice balance, uh, with them. And they come off looking pretty good, even though, like, we'll, we could talk about that initial matchup between Sasquatch and the thing. Like, that, that's a little shaky the way that that goes.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but as far as, yeah, the team, the angst, is not ramped up. This isn't, you know, the the soap opera here is limited to, Well, I mean, it's got to be the Thing's story. It's also got to be the Sasquatch's story. I think Mm -hmm. that works, you know, even once the the rest of the team shows up. Sasquatch has, still has the bigger role. Right, right,
1: yeah. And I love the, um, I love how Sasquatch is, you know, they they let him be stronger than the Thing, which Mm -hmm. he should be. He's He's a giant. And he keeps commenting on it, too. It's like, he should be able to beat the Thing easily. But, you know what he doesn't reckon on, and what's so cool about the thing, because like, what I love about the thing is just that he it, he just does not give up. You know, um, there's um, another Marvel team up. Uh, I think it was annual, one of them, and I don't remember which number it was. The champion came and uh, was gathering up Earth's strongest heroes to fight them, basically, and, and find out who uh was the strongest. It was like the Hulk and Colossus and the thing, of course, and Sasquatch was there. What was beautiful about that story was it was just this exact same kind of uh personality thing that it was highlighting about the thing, which is that he just does not give up. And that's what Sasquatch just fails to reckon with, you know, in all of this is like, he is stronger than the thing, but the things tenacity is kind of what will keep him in the fight. And, and he eventually just kind of wears Sasquatch out, but uh, but I love that you know that Sasquatch is portrayed pretty well as far as uh, just his ability to he he should be able to dominate the thing except for this one element of the thing's personality.
0: And in this era, the thing is quite mm, short. Mm-hmm. He's very stumpy. He's the same same height as the other Fantastic Four characters today. When they draw him, he's usually much taller. You right, know, he's the right. big brick. Uh, he would be closer to Sasquatch in size, but Sasquatch is yeah. huge. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He is. He is enormous.
0: Let's talk about Canada in this. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Let's talk about Canada. I, I just want to get the, uh, the Americans' yeah. uh, point of view on this. Because you're reading these comics, not just this one, but Alpha Flight in general. And you're seeing Canada through the eyes of various artists. Do you spot any... I mean... But does it make sense to you, this Canada?
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, you know, it does. It. Um, <laughs> I can't speak to the veracity of any of it. Uh, I've, I've been to Canada <laughs> three times, I think, in my life. To Vancouver a couple of times, and I've been to Saskatchewan.
0: That's an odd destination. Saskatchewan? With respect to all my Saskatchewan brothers, including... Mike W., who frequently yeah. listens to these things and, uh, and comments. Saskatchewan doesn't seem to be the tourist destination.
1: No, it's more or less north of Minnesota, where I'm from, though. So it was just an easy, uh, e- easy destination when my wife and I wanted to take a road trip one time. Okay. Yeah so interesting story about comparing Canada in real life with Canada in, um, in alpha flight. my first trip ever to Canada was in 1986 to the expo in Vancouver. That was amazing. And I really had a great time. Uh, and then kind of shortly after that, there was an issue of alpha flight where they were at the Canadian expo in Vancouver. And so that was kind of like my one and only chance to kind of compare like what I had witnessed with, uh, with how it was being portrayed in alpha flight and it was fine, but, Mostly like Canada in Alpha Flight seems to be there's these, these major kind of metropolitan cities and then there's wilderness everywhere. Which makes it seem
0: that's not that's not completely inaccurate. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it makes it seem like a really cool place. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I I've never really tried to uh like read too much into the way Canada was depicted. And I guess I always assumed, even though John Byrne spent time in Canada, I guess I assumed that there were probably inaccuracies.
0: He probably worked from a lot of, uh, uh, you know, photo reference. Yeah, you know, He grew up in Alberta. So some of those provinces are better depicted than others, probably but when you're handed this you're ron wilson in this story yeah you know you're you're an artist who doesn't work on Alpha flight normally Alpha flight doesn't even have a title it's not like right you know it's not like there's a stack of comics that you can look to this is pre-internet it's how are you gonna actually depict these places on the schedule that you've been given to do this little team-up thing you know i, I forgive it but <laughs> <laughs> there are some howlers in here okay <laughs> Like what? Well, one of the things is if you look at any given location, the Rockies are there. There's like a, a, a <laughs> peak, there are mountains that are clearly the Rockies. You know, there there are no Rockies in Saskatchewan. It's known as a very flat you know, Kansas like province. Mm. It's just wheat fields. Uh so I even check. It's oh there at Lake Louise. Okay, well maybe maybe in that area there's no no, there's none of that. It's a very <laughs> flat place, but it's got the same mountains that you see in northwestern Alberta. It's the the same kind of mountains you see in Montreal. So Montreal has this giant mountain as well. So yes there is a a mountain in the middle of uh, Montreal, but it's it's an Appalachian kind of. Some would call it a hill. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but here the Rockies are right behind, more or less behind uh, McGill University. But uh, so, <laughs> I, I mean, if I want to be really picky, McGill is uh, sort of it's close. The look, it's close. But they say that's the admin building where you know it's not. It's the arts building. <laughs> it's, you know, the oldest building. At least there's some photo reference there, probably. Sure. Even if the shapes aren't. Exactly the same. But it is in the city. So in this, it looks like it's in the wilderness. (laughs) And uh, so it's not quite. Uh, I also kind of take exception to the uh, idea that Canadians wouldn't know an American celebrity like the thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hogwash. I mean, (laughs) we we feed off your entertainment and your news. (laughs) (laughs) So it's quite improbable that Canadians, even Quebecers, uh, well, especially at McGill, where it's it's an anglophone uh, university, so those guys would know who the Fantastic Four are. Yeah, there, there's no there's no question there. Although the sort of snobbery that you get at that university is depicted accurately, <laughs> perhaps perhaps accidentally, but it is it is the most prestigious of Canadian universities, okay. and that comes with a certain disposition. Let's say. Uh, and there's also we see a lot of Winnipeg. I, I'm not saying it doesn't look like Winnipeg. It doesn't look like. I mean, it's a very generic city uh, that that's depicted here. They say it's the fourth largest in Canada. It's actually the seventh. So I'm, I don't know. Have things changed? You know, since uh, the late '70s, that's possible. Maybe it dropped down the list. Uh, and Defalco was using you know Encyclopedia Britannica to come up with this stuff. Like, it wasn't just making it up but and they also show like this these big highway systems outside town that yeah. really don't exist that's it looks like california uh sort of big overpasses and there's no such thing but <laughs> <laughs> i i'm guessing that any city that is shown in comics unless it's right outside the window or very well known there's going to be a lot of artistic license take sure so i accept it <laughs> <laughs> i've um spilled a lot of ink or virtual ink on my blog just to discuss how Canada is depicted or the French language is depicted. At least in this, there's none of that pigeon French that sometimes they mm. give to North Star and Aurora. Yeah. They don't give them accents or anything. Yeah. They, they avoided my wrath at <laughs> <laughs> that point. But I, I get very proprietary when it comes to these things. I get territorial sure. about uh, how, it's, how it's done. And I, I'm not even calling myself an expert in, in Canada. It's, uh, you know, at one end of it, it's so vast that if I were to take a plane right now, it would be closer to get to Paris than it would be to get to Vancouver. Oh wow! So you can't just say, "Oh, I'm, an ex- I'm a Canadian, so I know all of it." I've never gone past Winnipeg in my entire life, and Winnipeg is is quite quite the, the journey. Yeah, uh, already. So today we have the internet. I did a little research. And, uh, so I, I decided to, to call the bull on some of these things. <laughs> but let's get back to Alpha Flight and the story itself. I think there's, well, there's one other mistake in the comic, and maybe that brings us to the villain of this. You know, at one point, it's clear that Shaman is saying something, but they gave the bubble to, Mm-hmm. Raynark the Ravager yeah so uh, let's talk about Raynark what, what do you think of this uh this villain this one-shot villain never returns I don't think
1: no not that I know of uh and it's a cool idea um but there's there's really nothing exciting about the character design I mean he, he's really a generic stereotype of a First Nations man you know with a name like Raynark the Ravager like I think I read this after I had read Alpha Flight number one and um you know, I was introduced to the concept of uh, the Great Beasts, which is you know kind right. of a recurring villain, uh, a set, group of villains for Shaman and and Snowbird. And you know, I, I heard Renark the Ravager. I said, "Oh, cool! This is going to be one of the Great Beasts." And but he doesn't really look like a Great Beast, and, and I'm kind of disappointed that he's not. Like that would have been a really great reason to give him a more different kind of more monstrous look than just kind of this this giant, um, you know, a native man.
0: Yeah, but of course Tom DeFalco didn't know about the Great Beasts as yet. Yeah. Uh so so Reynard can't be hanging out with Tundra <laughs> and so and so on. <laughs> right. Right. Still some sort of god. He he may be a great beast and or a relative to, to that the same kind of myth mm-hmm. uh is at play, I guess.
1: Yeah, or they keep talking about how he's made packs with demons, and I think in my head canon, like those are the great beasts. Like he is uh you know, maybe not a great beast himself, but he is, he's somehow allied with them uh, behind
0: the scenes. This takes the Marvel formula. Let's have the heroes fight mm-hmm. and then team up. You mentioned something about it being a little iffy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's their reasons for fighting are, are pretty shaky. Like, and, and they acknowledge it and they actually kind of play someone into the character with, before Thing ever shows up, Lankowski's kind of talking about feeling out of sorts and missing the superhero life. And Grim throws the first punch, but. Sasquatch is kind of being a jerk to him, and uh, kind of snottily congratulating him for not losing his shit. Basically, <laughs> uh, um, with that's you know that kind of irritates the thing, and so when Sasquatch kind of topples towards him because of the earthquake, the thing attacks, and it's just it's a really kind of lame way to uh, to start the whole. DeFalco's kind of ticking some boxes here like he knows he's got to have them fight at first he's not very convincing about how
0: he goes about it yeah well we sort of want to know you know which one is strongest right <laughs> right right you know who who could beat who and I, I think that's the, really the origin of these first the heroes have to fight yeah in this case yeah no I agree I, I, I noted the same thing that like geez guys just <laughs> Talk it over, yeah, yeah <laughs> just have a conversation the, the Sasquatch kind of tips over because the ground is shaking, oh, he's making a move, yeah. <laughs> he's not making a move, <laughs> although I do like the contrast where you have this uh, this brute, you know Sasquatch looks like a brute mm-hmm. and yet he's very well spoken mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and all that, you know he's using like a bigger vocabulary than the thing, but yeah, the thing is just more willful, maybe this I mean I guess the thing is really on edge. I'll, I'll give him that. There you I mean, go. Yeah, in the, yeah. Yeah. In the opening chapter, uh, he starts to, you know, he rips up. We're in a facility where your friend is being treated. I'm not going to start ripping up the walls, and <laughs> which looks like machinery, un- until he rips it out. And then you kind of see that it's just like cement. It's concrete, but there's a Kirby Tech wallpaper. It's a really cool over, wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. Um, you know, Ron Wilson taking a, a bit of a shortcut there. But the... You know, he starts a fight in that facility with the human torch, which Mm -hmm. is a classic FF bit, but uh, still, I think he's very, very on edge. And maybe that's why he takes everything, you know, uh, the wrong way and starts, picks that fight with Sasquatch. And Sasquatch kind of, you know, you made a good point. He's, he's missing the life. Oh, this is a chance to, (laughs) you know, this is a chance for superhero stuff. Right. Let's, let's fight the thing or whoever, you know. Uh, Although, if you know who he is, why would you think he was, a Threat, right? Yeah, you wouldn't even with this prophecy thing. So, eventually, they do come together, and then the rest of Alpha Flight jump in. I mean, sadly,
1: Puck and Marina are like two mm. of my very favorites, but they don't come along until later.
0: I was kind of uh, stoked to see that uh, Heather is in this you know, very small role, but yeah, you know, a Max wife, Heather, who will become Vindicator mm-hmm, later, mm-hmm. is really part of the team, even though. She doesn't have any powers or super suits or anything at this point. Right. The falco didn't forget her. Yeah, yeah. You know, in Ottawa, where there is a big, giant mountain. (laughs) (laughs) That mountain's everywhere. I don't know how big the country is, but you can see the mountain from every side, you know. Every city is around that one mountain. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Yeah, and and vindicator or guardian or vindicator, call him what you will, uh, does that trick?
1: Yeah, so he uh he, has, he teleports.
0: He seems to teleport.
1: He does. Yeah, it, what he really, really does. And I think this was from uh, one of the early X Men appearances where this kind of came up. But he has this trick of I think he he refers to it as like kind of disengaging himself from the alert earth's uh, electromagnetic field. I'm, I'm not clear on the science, but basically he, <laughs> I'm not sure anyone's clear on the <laughs> <Yeah>. science. <laughs> he basically stops and lets the earth keep rotating underneath him. Uh, so, as an observer kind of stuck on the earth's rotation, he appears to just kind of blink out of existence. And then he kind of reappears on the other side of the world. It's a really cool trick. I don't like how it's represented here. Like Ron Wilson kind of visually represents it with, uh, he kind of draws a, a, an outline of Vindicator. Almost looks like he's fading away from the scene instead of instantly popping away. And there's there's even a pop like sound effect on that panel, but he's not really popping. He's just kind of like slowly fading. So I don't I don't like the way it's represented here, but I I like that they call back to that trick and use it again.
0: I always question, you know, this is the idea that the Earth revolves at a certain speed, uh-huh. and yet. I and mean, he just shows up in, I don't know, Polynesia or something? Yeah, yeah. Is, is the Earth moving that fast? Maybe it is, I don't know. Eighteen and a half miles per second, apparently.
1: Is what they say, yeah.
0: And in a second, he's not 18 miles away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's always a little bit, you know, fudged. Walter Lingowski in this is a respected biophysicist and all that, speaking of science. But he doesn't, uh, he's not able to cure Giant Man in the end. Uh was that what you said bummer in the synopsis, was it?
1: Well it was a bummer that Giant Man is still sick and, and I guess you know, to be continued. Um like I, yeah. I know that he appears in other issues after this, so spoiler I guess for that. But and it didn't bother me as far as Sasquatch goes. Like I I know that Lankowski is you know, highly thought of in his field. And, um, and he's basically kind of the guy who got the Hulk, right? Like banner was like one of his heroes and he wanted to kind of try to duplicate a lot of that research, but perfect it. And he did, he kind of accidentally tapped into another energy. It was like the great beasts. And that's a whole other story. But, But, like, you're talking about how Sasquatch is like this big giant monster, but he's so well spoken. He's kind of like the beast, I guess, from the X Men in that sense, but he's got this transformation angle to him, too, and he can transform at will. And I always thought that was really cool that he was able to transform at will, keep his mental faculties, and that's what made him cool. Like, he doesn't have to be like Mr. Fantastic levels of uh, intellect uh as far as i'm concerned he's kind of done enough just by becoming sasquatch
0: yeah so it's not a ending with a whimper to have uh so it didn't work you know all the, all of this sidetracking and then when you finally get uh, walter to, to to new york it doesn't work
1: yeah no it, it didn't feel like a whimper to me because it was all about the team up the quest to find someone to cure goliath giant man now the quest to, to find someone to heal him was just an excuse to get these characters together and uh that was the ice cream for me and the i guess a cherry on top would have been the if he had could- succeeded in healing Giant Man, but I, I didn't really need that.
0: This is interesting that the uh, two-in-one did a lot more of this than any other team-up title, whether Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold. Marvel Team-Up had these long arcs where you were following the thing, he had his own adventures, and then they were always trying to find a reason for the next guest star. Yeah. So how do we keep this going with uh, basically doing a tour of the Marvel Universe yeah. just to make These stories work. And of course, I've always said this, you know, team-ups are clunky by nature. (laughs) You strains credulity that every week the thing somehow meets somebody else and has an adventure with them. But that's the fun of team-up books, uh, which I think is, you know, really missing from a lot of, you know, comics today don't do a lot of this. Uh, and when they do, it's, you know, Scooby-Doo or Batman 66. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're leaning into the silliness of the concept, uh, just as the Brave and the Bold cartoon series did. Right. You know, they're, they're leaning into that. They know it's silly, but that's what, you know, that's the, the sort of silliness that makes comics fun. And, and I, we grew up on stories like this in the Bronze Age uh, that... Of course, (laughs) these team ups are crazy. Uh, and it's crazy to think that Spider-Man is having a special guest star every week plus all of his other adventures. Right. (laughs) Uh, or the thing is working with the Fantastic Four, but also having all of these adventures, meeting everybody in the Marvel Universe. It must have been either fun or very frustrating for writers of these books. To just, okay, you know, what's the next character I want to write, and how do I get them into this story that's actually ongoing in the case of Marvel 2 and 1? Yeah, yeah. I think it's very interesting that they did a Sasquatch story first and then Alpha Flight so that, you know, the two orange monsters got to fight. Mm -hmm. And that maybe was the germ of the idea originally. Yeah. Uh, Well, we need the rest. Let's make this a two-parter. That makes sense to me. Now who fared better our mini debate touching on various topics comparing the characters first how well does this fit their stories or atmospheres so is this more of a thing story or is it an alpha flight story Michael hey, that's a
1: tough call i think it's it does well in both arenas which is pretty unusual for these kinds of things cuz typically you have you know one dominating the other but uh, you know as i was talking about with, with the things Match up with Sasquatch. They're not evenly matched physically, but the kind of their personal strengths kind of are evenly matched. If that makes sense. Um, mm. And then even in uh, in in the Alpha Flight issue, the thing basically just becomes a part of Alpha Flight, and uh, and it really highlights like their teamwork and they able their ability to uh, uh, to work together and use the diversity of their powers in cool ways. And the thing just kind of pitches in and just becomes a part of all of that. So I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure I can make the call on like. Who kind of fares better?
0: Well, I'm supposed to be uh, defending uh, Ben Grimm here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call it for Alpha Flight. Yeah, like you said, the thing becomes a member of Alpha Flight, mm. so it it is him subjugated to their needs. We're in their country. We're fighting a villain that is native to their country. Uh, so the thing is sort of uh, is a tourist here. So it's Alpha Flight. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> what about cool moves? What are these characters' uh, best moves? So for Alpha Flight.
1: Okay, well, so the first issue with with Sasquatch, the fight, like I love where he, the thing throws a boulder at him and he catches the boulder and just like crumbles it into dust, like that's undeniably cool move. Um, and one of my favorite Alpha Flight moves ever is the North star and Aurora's grabbing hands and, and just the bright light. And I, I don't know why I like that so much, but they, they do seem to kind of save it for special occasions. And, uh, and here, because you got North star out of the fight for so long, you know, he shows up at the last minute and they're doing that puts Renark on, on the, uh, I guess it throws him off enough that then the other team members can kind of jump in and do what they do best and, and bring him down. So it's kind of like that one, two, three punch. Now Renark is defeated. Uh, at the very end, starting with North Star sh- finally showing up, I think that's really cool.
0: Sure, and for the thing the I, I think is relentlessness when he's fighting Sasquatch, yeah. and uh, we see it again in the second issue when he's, you know, a building falls on him. <laughs> he, yeah, right. he holds the building as, as long as he can. It falls on him, and then when the others think, "Oh, he's dead," or. You know, he punches himself out of there and refuses any help. He doesn't seem – he's not much of a team player when it's somebody else's team sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But that's that's his coolest moves. What about dumb or weird moves? Like we said, you know, wonky team-ups. Yeah. These things happen. What is uh, Alpha Flight's dumbest or weirdest
1: move? I got two. Uh, one of them, um, I think, is more egregious than the other, but uh, the, the more serious, one, I think is that Shaman is is pretty weak in the story, like how he is forced to open Renark's urn, um, kind of against his, his will, and mm. uh, and at this point, like Renark's not even. Out of the urn yet? He, he, like I don't, I don't really know. Like I'd like a more of an explanation for why Shaman is so compelled to uh, to open this thing, and he's supposed to be this great sorcerer. And even in certain uh, issues of uh, Doctor Strange, like Doctor Strange respects Shaman, and and it's a lot of the Marvel magic community really respect him. And so, just you know, none of his spells are very effective against Ranark until Ranark gets knocked out. So I just I feel like he kind of uh, gets the short end of the stick on on a lot of this. Uh, the other one is just kind of a goofy line uh, that Aurora says when she's rescuing a young boy from an apartment <laughs> building. She goes, "That's merely one of my many talents, and you're too young to appreciate the others." <laughs> that is inappropriate, Aurora.
0: <laughs> Saucy. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was uh, very uh, sexually liberated. Yeah. As Aurora. Yeah. As as Jeanne Marie, she was, you know, the, the opposite. So for the the thing, the the dumb move. Well, I, I've mentioned it before. It's the how how he goes immediately on the offensive, how he's destroying, you know, uh, even against the torch, against Sasquatch, he's much too aggressive. And I get it. His friend is dying, but, uh, you know, let's not, let's not hurt other friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> speaking of the torch there I, I that smiley face that he makes with his flames is like yeah. one of my favorite comic book images of all time that's thing that's <laughs> stuck in my head since I was a kid and reading this but it, I don't know it's so funny to me for some reason
0: yeah just some uh, quality goading yeah yeah finally the friendly farewell a team-up tradition the heroes have to say goodbye in some way at the end H- how is this one how does this one rate?
1: I think it does pretty well you know there's kind of mutual respect on both sides thing has been kind of dismissive uh, especially kind of sasquatch but uh, but the team too just they're kind of in his opinion kind of the backwoods yahoos. Like, they're not really uh you know he's he's hanging out with the fantastic four and he will be glad to let them know about that anytime they want to hear it but at the end he has seen their teamwork and and he seems to have enjoyed working with them and uh um so they all Part is friends, and it's kind of sweet.
0: And, I mean, this is a ending where, you know, Walter can't do anything for a giant man, and uh, the thing walks down the corridor with his head down, you know. So it's a sad ending, a sad goodbye. Kind of
1: hear the Lonely Man theme playing as he <laughs> walks down <laughs> the hallway. <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it brings it all back to the Hulk, who both of these guys have a history with. Yeah, We'll take a break for a couple of promos and uh, we'll be back with our bonus team-ups.
1: Coming soon from Amalgam Comics, as he explored the world's most ancient mountain chain in the Great White North, Walton Grimkowski was struck by mysterious radiation from a sudden hole in the ozone layer. Transforming into a rocky behemoth, he forever became the Canadian Shield, Canada's toughest hero. Currently on the stands, Canadian Shield number fifty-one. This man, this mountain. In which our hero, in the wake of the previous issues' battle with the Wendigo, dares enter the negatundra in the hopes of curing his condition and being a monster no more.
0: So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger?
1: What about uh, White Tiger?
0: Uh, Doc Samson. Who Doc is he? he? Uh, huh? Star Fox. That's a video game. <laughs> the girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Our final feature, the bonus team up, in which each of us proposes a perfect Alpha Flight team up. It can be a Sasquatch team up uh, instead, but I think we both uh, decided to go with Alpha Flight. Yeah. As a whole, yeah. So, what would be your uh, favorite team up here for? The Alphans.
1: So Alpha Flight was even like growing up and like this being my comic. Like, I mean, I collected every iteration of this thing, all the volumes, and and people would say, Hey, Mike, what kind of comics do you read? And I would say Alpha Flight. And maybe they'd heard of it, but probably they hadn't. And uh, so it was always kind of like, you know, I I don't know. It it felt like I was a fan of like this kind of B or C team, although they were always uh, an A team for me. Um, so I wanted to put him up against something similar, and uh, the team I picked was Primal Force. So Primal Force was a comic that spun out of DC's Zero Hour event. It was written by Steven Siegel and featured kind of an odd assortment of heroes. So I liked it for a lot of the same reasons that I liked Alpha Flight. Uh, and at some point, Siegel even acknowledged that the team was partly inspired by his love of Alpha Flight. Was it? Yeah. And uh, he, of course, would go on to write Marvel's second volume uh, of Alpha Flight a couple of years after Primal Force was canceled. So uh, Primal Force was kind of mostly a, a mag- team of magicians or magic using characters, but there are some natural matchups uh, for uh, the initial fight here. So uh, one of the characters in Primal Force was Golem, which is exactly what he sounds like. Uh, and so, of course, hitting fighting Sasquatch seems pretty natural. Shaman could fight Dr. Mist, uh, another sorcerer. Uh, snowbird could fight uh, red tornado. Uh, they're both kind of non-human outsiders to the rest of the teams. I thought about North star and Aurora fighting jack-o'-lantern. He has this kind of ability to create fog amongst other powers. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to see their light powers pitted against that. Uh, and then puck versus claw who they're both kind of brawlers. And if you accept bill, Mantlo's retcon of puck's origin, they both have some kind of experience with demon possession.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like a sword fight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then beers afterwards.
0: (laughs) That's an interesting one. Uh, For me, I went with, uh, I stayed within the same universe, and I pit Alpha Flight against the Soviet super soldiers in the 80s, of course. There's no Soviets now. Uh, I I can't believe the story wasn't actually ever told. With Canada and the USSR sharing the Arctic Circle, why did they never go up against the same threat in the Marvel tradition, fight one another, and then team up against that bigger, uh, you know, foe? You know, battling the fierce elements above the permafrost line. Yeah, you know, it could at least be a, a fun Christmas story, uh, featuring you know who. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna tangle for the, you know who owns the North Pole. Then yeah. you, you sort of got to bring that in, or at least wink at it.
1: I really want to see Sasquatch and Ursa Major teaming up now. That that would be really cool.
0: <laughs> see, see, yeah, the your Dark Star and the. Uh, and the twins sure and, uh, vanguard and guardian mm-hmm. i mean it even sounds the same yeah, right that's mine
1: awesome awesome
0: <laughs> well um and that's all the time we had and i mean we got through the whole thing so <laughs> <laughs> you know thanks for teaming up with me michael can you remind people where they can find you and uh, your podcasts
1: yeah so i have a bunch of them and the Easiest way to, uh, to kind of explore what those are is my website, which is michaelmay.online. Uh, there's a list of them there. Um, they're all available on, on, uh, iTunes and other places. Uh, or you can just follow me on Twitter at michaelmaycomics with an X. And, uh, we can not only, th- I'll, I'll tell you when things drop, but we can talk about nerdy stuff too.
0: Yeah. A lot of stuff about movies and, uh, pulp right. heroes and, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. A reminder that we do enjoy reading your comments, and that the best place for that is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also visit the Fire and Water Podcast Network Facebook page or tag us on Twitter using the hashtag FWPodcast. Uh, we'll see you next time for another amazing superhero team up because, after all, justice is a team effort. You can send every mutant in Canada after me. I ain't coming back. You left us. That was wrong. I hope you missed me, Sasquatch.